name's Matt Weaver. I used to serve here for about seven years uh, working with our students and as, as associate pastor. Uh, and man, it is a joy to be back in, First, in Eastland, specifically at First Baptist Church here in Eastland, uh, to see some familiar faces, but also to see some new faces. And uh, as we were sitting there singing, I just was reminded uh, my whole message this morning, uh, as Miss Alice just read out of Deuteronomy 32, will be on God's faithfulness. Uh, and as Derek got up, I just thought, man, if there's ever a time to doubt God's faithfulness, you've got a young man who grew up in our student ministry, and man, has God been faithful. Has God been faithful in his life? And it is so cool for me to see him do that, to see Trenton up here leading. Uh, it's just really cool to not, has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with God's faithfulness. And so I'm just, I uh, want to honor you guys as a church. Um, and then just kind of give you an update. Uh, you guys, First Baptist Eastland supports our church, Grace Church, and then uh, the church plants that we will continue to send out. So we are on the west side of Fort Worth. Uh, my family and I live in Alito. We've got folks from Weatherford to Saginaw um, to uh, up even further towards Arlington and then all the way down to um, Crowley, to South Crowley that come to our church. Uh, and we, our hope and desire is our mission is to plant churches that plant churches. And so you guys are a part of that. And so I just want to say thank you for that. Uh, thank you to Pastor Kevin for allowing me to come back and share from my heart, uh, give an update, but also preach. And I did the math while we were sitting there. Um, he didn't tell me this, but I'm just assuming one minute per month I've been gone is about 45 minutes. Um, so I don't know how long he preaches for. He just, he just kind of said, go for it. So uh, I won't keep you that long, um, maybe 42 minutes. But give you a little bit update about uh, where we're at, what we're doing. Uh, we do live in Alito. We moved up there almost four years ago. Uh, Cody uh, serves at Little Cats Preschool. Uh, Cody is my wife, for those who don't know. She serves at Little Cats Preschool, which is the First Baptist Church in Alito. She serves there two days a week, where Brighton is going into uh, pre-K there. Uh, and then Cody is the one who is keeping us knowing where we're going. That's kind of the phrase. She, she knows where we're going. We got three kiddos that we're chasing around sometimes. Um, and she uh, has just done a great job of, of uh, adapting up there, and, and we truly love that community. She serves on our worship team. Uh, Ellie is going into fifth grade. If you saw her, she's just gone from, I think we were, uh, she was kindergarten when we moved, first grade, and she is unbelievable going into fifth grade. I, I feel like she's 16 years old sometimes. She acts like she's 16 years old, uh, but she always has a volleyball in her hand. Uh, she loves her friends that God has given her. She serves at our church. She serves on our hospitality team, so she serves behind the scenes and uh, once a month on, uh, during our Sunday gatherings and loves it. Uh, and then she is known by uh, her teachers as the, the little evangelist in her classroom. So it just brings joy to, uh, uh, if, if you don't know, back in 2018, a couple years ago, we, uh, I actually got to, to baptize her. She uh, accepted Christ. God gave her a new heart, and it's been a joy to see her grow in that. Deacon is going into first grade, plays all the sports, loves what he does, and that's just running around being a boy. Uh, he serves really well, and it's cool this year starting to see uh, Jesus work on his heart. He's starting to ask some questions about who Jesus is, um, just kind of random. I could plan it, and he would just look at me like I'm crazy, but it's just sometimes on our drives, you can just uh, sense the Holy Spirit just tugging at his heart, and so y'all can continue to pray with us, with him, and then Brighton, again, she's pre-K. She runs the classroom, and her friends know that, unfortunately. Uh, but she uh, is our little gymnast and does a great, great job of keeping us on our toes. 
Uh, tell you a little bit about Alito. It is uh, Fort Worth is one of the top ten fastest growing cities in um, in the United States right now. And why do I say Fort Worth when we live in Alito? Because everything in Fort Worth keeps pushing west. Uh, so we moved east, got there, and everybody starts heading west, um, and just kind of keeps going from Fort Worth to Benbrook to Alito, Willow Park, Hudson Oaks. Weatherford is just booming right now, all the way out to Brock, and even my brother Insanto uh, is, is catching growth as people move west. Um, but there is a plethora of people uh, who don't know Jesus in that area. Uh, lots of uh, different cultures moving into that area, even into Alito. Um, it, we just built our sixth elementary school that will open this fall, and then we are in the process of building our second middle school that opens up when Ellie uh, goes into middle school. Um, Lord help me on that. Um, but yeah, it's it's growing. It's still, Alito still kind of holds on to that small town feel. We have a traffic circle, um, and most of the people of that make up about 20,000 people in our school district live outside of city limits. So the city is still uh, about the size of Eastland, about 3,500, I'm assuming, about 3,500 people live in town, and then there's just neighborhoods peppered all throughout uh, Parker County. So that's just kind of a little bit about where we're at. I know you pass it, um, and I know it was on the news for some not so good things this year, Alito, and then you also have the sports. We didn't move there so Deacon could play football. All right, just throw that out there. I've had people ask me that. Uh, we moved there because that's where the Lord wanted us. Uh, tell you a little bit about our church now. As I mentioned, thank you for supporting Grace Church Southwest. That's the name uh, of our church. We are a church planting church that will continue to to send out, to train up, equip, and then send out. Um, our sanctuary holds right at about 2.30, and, and we don't have plans to build a bigger church so that more people will come here. Our plan is to train up and to send out. Like That's just the model that we have. Uh, we've got probably so there's four pastors on staff. We all kind of have different lanes, and then um, we will just continue to train up. We've got about five guys kind of going through a two-year process right now that aspire to pastor. They're in seminary at Southwestern, but they just all they know is the classes, and so we're giving them a chance to have some hands-on practical experience. Um, since you support uh, Grace Church, I want you to, uh, to kind of hear some of the things that we've been able to do. But before that, it's been a hard year. It's been a hard year for churches. Uh, the last probably 15, 16 months, it's been a hard year for school administration. Uh, it's been a hard year in your business. It's been a hard year in your family. Um, but speaking personally with our church, not that I have to remind you of what 2020 was like, uh, but I think it's important. I think it's important to remember so that we can always see God's faithfulness. Because that's the message this morning is his faithfulness through this all. This last year was marked by a lot of hard decisions for us uh, as a staff, uh, as pastors. I call it the year of landmines, that everywhere we stepped, we, we had a potential landmine that we could step on. Um, you know, and I'll, I'll kind of go through some of those. But everywhere we stepped, it was just we didn't know the territory because it was something uh, none of us had really gone through. Do you, uh, some of the questions that we looked, uh, we had a struggle with. Do you close the doors or do you stay open? How do you live stream? We weren't live streaming when COVID hit. We had to figure out, like, what are we supposed to do? Do we add our phone and we live stream the first two weeks and then got a camera? Uh, I remember asking questions like, hey, where, where are people? Do we still have a church? Is, are people still out there? What's happening? Um, then you got the, when do you return to in person? You know, all of these questions weighing on you. Do you require masks? You're supposed to require two masks. All of those type of questions. Uh, what do you do with uh, 
the racism that, that is in our country? What do you say about one of the most controversial and divisive presidential campaigns, uh, elections that we've seen? Like, how do, you in, how do you enter into those conversations with your people? How do you handle politics within your church? How do you graciously and gently rebuke your members and remind them that we are God's people and we do not serve um, the, the, the man of this world, but we serve God alone? But how do you gently remind people that? How do you, because if you say too much, people are going to look at you and say, well, you're just this extreme. If you don't say enough, people look at you and say, how dare you not say enough? Every decision, just constant, this, this inner turmoil uh, of what do we do? What are we supposed to do? What are the decisions? What do you say about the most, um, about anything? What do you say when somebody, uh, I love, I don't love this, that it happened, but we had the same thing. What do you say when uh, you know, one of your ladies of your church texts you and says, hey, I was at the women's gathering last night. Just want to let you know I tested positive. What are you supposed to do that? You're supposed to call everybody, all of that stuff. Uh, you know, Jason, I know you, with, with leading a school, like that same type of burden of just having to answer those questions. What do you do in a year of isolation when sinful habits creep into uh, marriages? What do you do when you sit with Somebody whose marriage who look on the outside looks like it's great, but through the last 16 months, it has just exploded. And the only way possible is a miracle of God that these people stay covenant to one, to one another. Like, what do you do in those situations? How do you counsel the depressed? How do you look at somebody and say, hey, it's all going to be okay when they're struggling with depression? When they're skeptic, where is God in all of this? And I say all of this, hopefully not to get your anxiety up or to, to remind you of the terribleness. I say all of this because all year for the last 15, 16 months, the only thing I could do was press into the Holy Spirit and just trust that the Holy Spirit uh, was going to give me the grace of God to answer these questions, to sit with people as they're struggling. Like that's the only thing that I had to cling to. Uh, because common knowledge, I had no common knowledge of uh, a global pandemic. Common knowledge in seminary that taught me uh, how to lead people through, uh, like I, I took counseling classes, but I didn't, I didn't really know what it meant to sit with people in their suffering. And uh, like, all I had was the Holy Spirit, and that's all I needed. That's all we need as God's people. It's been a year that has reminded me of how much I desire to fight sin along our people alongside our people to fight sin with them and how desperately we need God's sanctifying work in our lives every day. How much we want to fight sin and then how much we need his sanctifying grace every day in our lives. Uh, so all of those questions, let me tell you some good news. Uh, back in December, we baptized six adults. Uh, this last Easter, we were able to baptize another six adults and children. Uh, growth. We've added about 20 to 25 new families over the last probably 10 months to our gathering. Uh, and, and over and over again, they would say, hey, we've been checking y'all out online and we're, we're glad that y'all are back in person. We just wanted to check it out. So it's been that God has been faithful in that to send us people. Uh, for about six months, we did all of our gatherings outside. It was hot through the summer, but I'll tell you what that did. That opened up doors to people in our neighborhood that now uh, are coming to our church who have never stepped foot inside of church doors. And it has been really, really cool to see God's faithfulness. Groups, we have about 180 adults that meet in homes throughout the week uh, from Sunday to uh, all the way through Saturday. We have one that meets for breakfast on Saturday. We have um, 18 groups, so 180 adults and then 140 kids. That's a lot of kids um, on any given night that are uh, trashing homes probably most likely. But 
the, the cool thing is, is God's faithfulness. We have a lot of people from Saginaw to Crowley, Benbrook to Alito. Uh, we just finished on this last Friday. We did a thing called Tough and Tender Men Gatherings, where we got uh, 45 men together for three Fridays and just taught them what does it mean to shepherd your family? How do you be tough? You know, the world says be tough. But also, you look at the gentle and lowly spirit of our Savior Jesus. How do you be tough and tender? Uh, so it was cool to, to have that. Equip classes. We launched uh, some equip classes where uh, about 50 men and women uh, twice a month will gather. We rotate men, and then the next week will be the ladies. Uh, they'll gather in the first six months of this year. We've gone through systematic theology. Just what is the framework of the Bible? What are the covenants of the Bible? What does it look like to, to have a good, solid foundation underneath you? And then these next six months, this month through the end of the year, we kicked off um, the, the back half of that will be spiritual disciplines. What does it mean to read the Bible? Everybody always just stands up and says, hey, you need to be in the Word. But we're teaching our people. What does that mean to be in the Word? What are you looking for when you're reading God's Word? We have our first VBS coming up uh, in two weeks. Really excited about that. That's going to be a fun time. Um, we, we have... Uh, I'll tell you about this, our rally cry for this year, kind of our, our, our mission, if you will, for 2020, what are we in, 2021, has been we practice the spiritual gifts and we practice the spiritual disciplines, and we've seen God heal some of our people, we've seen God restore several marriages, uh, and we have seen our people do that, um, and I say all of these things for two reasons, one, I want to honor First Baptist Church of Easton, like, I don't say this to boast in anything that any of us are doing. I say this to boast in the faithfulness of God. But there's something to that of just honoring you guys, training up and equipping and sending out, myself included. Many other men and women, Stephen Storm in, in Lubbock, who's pastoring, and, and, and even Sean being able to send him out, and Derek raising him up, and Trenton raising him up, and Josh. You play a vital part in training and equipping. And I just want to say thank you uh, for the work that you're continuing to do. Uh, and then the second thing why I say that is it's not just in Eastland, it's not just in Alito, West Fort Worth, it's not just in Texas. Right now, all across the globe, men and women are gathered in homes and huge congregations and small congregations proclaiming the name of Jesus. Why? Because God has been faithful. For generation after generation, he has continued to prove in his faithfulness, the grace of God to sinners and sufferers. And this, this is good news, family. Like this is good news that as we're singing these songs, I, I hope that it just stirs in your heart. I hope that you can take a deep breath this morning and hear God's faithfulness through his word and see that as we look at his word in, in Deuteronomy 32. That was a very long intro, but I want you to know it's been a, it's been a minute since I've been here. Um, and I, I'm just thankful for your support. I'm thankful for your prayers, your, your calls, your texts. I'm thankful for God's faithfulness to First Baptist Eastland for probably, I don't know, 145 plus years, I think. I think it was like 140 when I was around. So it's 145 plus years, First Baptist Church in Eastland ha has been continually pursuing Jesus. So thank you for that. Um, let's pray, and then we're going to dig into Deuteronomy 32. Father, you are good to us. We love you. We praise you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Um, God, I, I'm I'm just in awe sitting here thinking about not just the work you're doing in one church, but the work you're doing in your church all across the nation, all across the globe. Every tongue and every tribe is proclaiming 
those that are proclaiming your name, you are doing a mighty work. You are advancing your gospel. The good news is taking root in sinners and sufferers, and we get to play just a small part of it. And I'm thankful for that. Pray that this church would feel honored uh, in their work and their effort, that it is not meaningless. Um, Lord, gospel goodbyes are always hard. I, I just think back to four years ago and just that, uh, just that sense of, of leaving. Um, I think I even remember the sermon saying, it's, a, it's not a goodbye, it's a see you later. And, and Lord, to see your faithfulness in the last three, four years of, of sending men and women out, I pray that you would do more of that here. Stir in our hearts this morning as we read your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So our passage is Deuteronomy 32. It is the song of Moses, uh, and it continues on with this theme of God's faithfulness. But if you can think back to when I was preaching regularly, uh, one of the things I always love to do is give you a biblical framework, because if I just dive into this, um, you know, there's just so many things that I'm, I, I think we're going to miss. Uh, so to give you a framework, a little Bible lesson, some of y'all... I grew up in this church. Y'all gave me Bible lessons. I'm going to give you just this Genesis uh, to Deuteronomy to catch you up to speed, uh, about a minute in each book, so that you can see the faithfulness of God. Because I don't want us to, to miss God's faithful pursuit. If you, if you take notes, that is the, the prime, the, the main aim this morning, is that we would see God's faithful pursuit of his people. So this 30,000-foot recap uh, is this Genesis? The first part of Genesis, we see creation followed by humanity's downward spiral into sin. Like it's evident, but it also offer, offers in Genesis this future hope and restoration, this future redemption of what is to come. And then the second part of Genesis, we see we're able to trace God's first covenant of faithfulness, his continual pursuit of his people through the family of Abraham, showing God's faithfulness over and over again, despite their repeated failures. I'll say that again. His faithfulness over and over again, despite their repeated failures. So that's Genesis. Then you have Exodus. We see 400 years of Israel uh, being fruitful and multiply, as God has told them, commanded them to do. They filled the land. Pharaoh over in Egypt, he hates it, um, and he wants to destroy e Israel. All right, Exodus, we have Moses, kind of a big deal. He's born during this time. He matures during this time as they're held captive uh, to Pharaoh. Uh, they're slaves to Pharaoh, and God tells Moses, the famous child, uh, youth camp song or children's camp song, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, let my people go. Uh, if you can think back to the, the 90s, the good, um, I'm really dating myself there. Uh, if you can think back to that song. Pharaoh, Pharaoh. That's what uh, God raises up Moses and tells him to go to Pharaoh and say, hey, let my people go. Then we see this epic battle back and forth between Pharaoh and God. Uh, this is where you see the plagues play out. And you get to see Mer uh, Pharaoh and his sorcerers, his magicians kind of match some of that. And then all of a sudden, God just trumps everything that, that Pharaoh could do. Uh, and what does God do? He redeems his people. He frees his people from slavery where you see the miracle take place at the Red Sea. You didn't grow up in church. I'm giving you just this, this first few hundred years of, of what God has done, his faithfulness. He redeems his people. Uh, they enter into the wilderness after the Red Sea. Now here you have kind of a turning point. Oh, praise God. And then all of a sudden they're in the wilderness uh, and, and they start grumbling. They start saying things like, we, we were just better off as slaves. Really? God is providing for you over and over again. And what do they do? They turn and they grumble. 
You hear things like we were better off in Egypt, but God continually provides. God makes a covenant with his people again uh, in Exodus, and we see the Ten Commandments play out, the tabernacle blueprints of what is to come, how will God dwell with his people is given to Moses through the blueprints of the tabernacle, and then Israel once again breaks the covenant. And we see Moses in chapter 34 of Exodus. He says this, the Lord is merciful and gracious. Always drawing you back in to who God is. Merciful and gracious. Slow to anger. Abounding in covenant faithfulness. Not a promise or not a, uh, not a contract agreement says, if you do this, I'll hold up my end of the deal. It's a covenant faithfulness. He forgives sin, but he will not leave the wicked unpunished. And then you see Moses builds the tabernacle that will hold the Ark of the Covenant. You get to Leviticus. Leviticus. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. God establishes his moral and his purity laws. Like these were the laws put in place to, to help distinguish Israel, kind of, to kind of set them apart from other nations. God says, if you do this, I will honor you. I will, I will bring gl- uh, glory to my name through your faithfulness and obedience to me. You start seeing the ritual sacrifices. Uh, Moses actually ordains priests at this, where uh, the forgiveness of their sins is, is done through the priest, and it's a, it's a, a, a bloody altar. Like, I, I've thought about through, through this. We're reading through the Bible, and we're, on, uh, we're in Numbers right now, and I, I remember getting to Leviticus and just thinking, man, the role of the priest was essentially to be covered in blood for the sins of his brothers and sisters. And man, just that imagery of we think this holy temple and this altar as being just this beautiful, and it was, but it was covered with the blood of, of innocent animals. All for what? For the day atonement that, that is set in place in Leviticus, where the purification offering is to atone for the sins of Israel, and it is the foreshadowing of the true atonement to come. Hear me, church, this is good news, where uh, the, the perfect lamb comes to us is sacrificed on our behalf. I mean, somebody, somebody say amen about that, right? Like you're talking about the foreshadowing of what is to come, the day of atonement. And then there's this call to live a pure life. God sets the tone of living a holy and pure life. You see the feast in here, the feast of the tabernacles, Passover, feast of the unleavened bread, the first fruits, again, day of atonement, all to remember and constantly come back to the faithfulness of God. And then we see God ultimately call his people back into covenant with him. And basically he says this, hey, obedience equals abundance in the land that I'll provide or disobedience equals pretty well a disaster or exile from my land. Oh my goodness, Israel, what are we doing? At this point, surely you're going to obey. And what happens? They don't. We get to Numbers. The Israelites continue to rebel and wander the wilderness for another 40 years. Due to rebellion, only their children, the existing generation, only their children will enter the land. More grumbling, Israelites going back. This is multiple generations after being uh, out of captivity of slavery. And now these new generations are saying, just take us back to the time of slavery that we can recall from our elders, from our grandparents. God provides. They complain. They complain about the manna falling from heaven. Um, And then Moses, interestingly enough, is tired of their grumbling. And in Numbers, we see where this is where he strikes the rock. You can think back to those childhood days of of maybe just uh, growing up and hearing this story where Moses takes the staff and he strikes the rock out of disobedience. And now 
is unable to enter the promised land. Faithful Moses disobeys, strikes the rock, and is unable to enter the promised land. But towards the end, we see him prep this next generation to enter into the promised land. Moses, Deuteronomy, where we pick up, Moses reminds the people again of his faithfulness and his, and his grace and he, that has been continually poured out on his people through their, even through their rebellion. He calls the people to listen, to obey, to love and worship God alone. Moses sets this next generation up for Israel. They are about to enter and we have the song of Moses in, in 32 um, where he basically just says one more plea. I just envision by this time he's 120 years old, all right? So at 80, he, he was able to leave the Israelite, lead the Israelites out. And 40 years later, he's 120. He's about to pass the buck, if you will, and say, hey, I guess y'all enjoy the promised land. I'm not able to go in it. And he says one more plea in verse 32, 1 through 4. And it's, um, I imagine Moses for 40 years experienced 2020 every year. Like I, I truly just this great-grandfather approach at 120. If I'm 120 I, and I was dealing with COVID, with 2020 for multiple years, I am not this tender-hearted, gentle and lowly great-grandfather. But look, look what he, we see in verse 1 and through 4. Pay attention, heavens, and I will speak. Listen, earth, to the words from my mouth. Let my teaching fall like rain and my words settle like dew, like gentle rain on new grass and showers on tender plants. For I will proclaim the Lord's name, declare the greatness of our God, the rock. His work is perfect. All his ways are just. A faithful God without bias, he is righteous and true. It's as if he knows what's coming. It's another fork in the road where he's basically telling this next generation of, man, I've seen this, y'all. If you go this route, it's nothing but destruction and isolation, and you're, you're in the wilderness. But would you just please hear me when I say God is faithful, and he will not leave you and, and obey his commands and his words. But he wants one more shot to remind them of this faithful pursuit. Aren't, church, aren't you glad that thousands of years later, in the midst of all of the grumbling and turning our backs on our faithful God, I mean, maybe I'm just speaking to myself here, but I, I would venture to say at some point in your life, you have turned your back, that's called sin, um, at some point in your life, probably on a regular basis, we turn our back, and aren't you glad that our faithful Lord pursues our hearts over and over again? Look at our text. Alice just read it. He found him, verse 10, or yeah, he, verse 10, he found him in a desolate land, in a barren howling wilderness. He surrounded him. He cared for him. He protected him as the pupil of his eye. He watches over his nest like an eagle. He hovers over his young. He spreads his wings. He catches him and he carries him on his feathers. The Lord alone led him with no help from a foreign God. It was God who found his people. Hear me. It was God who found his people in a desolate grim, barren desert. I love the, um, the imagery here of a howling wilderness. Like I remember as a kid, the first time walking to my deer blind um, without my dad. And I don't know, it was probably the calmest night, you know, it was, uh, or the calmest morning, but it's pitch black, you can't see anything. 
I'm sure it was a full moon and everything was just set up perfect, but it sounded like a howling wilderness for me. And I was terrified. Now, that's just a small example, but they are walking through a howling wilderness. I'm reminded of Psalm, 21, uh, Psalm 91, which calls us back to this howling wilderness. And listen to what the psalmist says. The one who lives under the protection of the Most High dwells in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say concerning the Lord, who is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust? He himself will rescue you from the bird trap, from the destructive plague. This is that howling wilderness. He will cover you with his feathers. You will take refuge under his wings. His faithfulness will be a protective shield. You got to have a shield in the howling wilderness. Obviously, this isn't just a walk on the beach. It is dark and dreadful. You will not fear the terror of the night, the arrow that flies by. So there's arrows flying by. So we're going into battle here. There's a war There is a war happening all around us. And the psalmist says, you will not fear the terror of the night, the arrow that flies by day, the plague that stalks in the darkness, or the persistence that ravages at noon. Though a thousand fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, the pestilence will not reach you. Church, God is faithful. Over and over again. It was God who claimed them. It was God who surrounded them. It was God who cared for them. It was God who delivered them and God who protected them. He provided for them every step of the way. My my heart this morning, I hope that you are not growing tired of me saying this. But sometimes I think we do. Sometimes I think we grow tired of hearing things like God is faithful and, and God's there for you and he cares for you. Because you look around and you think, where? Somebody just show me where. Do not grow weary in what you are doing in the season of life that you are at. He is faithful, brother and sister in Christ, to carry you through the end. Provided for them every step of the way. His his ways are always good, they're always right, and they're always perfect. Always. Despite their sin, despite your stubbornness, he never abandoned you. His promises, he never gave up on you. That's what, why Moses says in verse 7, remember the days of the old. Consider the years of all generations. Ask your father and he will inform you, your elders, and they will tell you. What does that have to do <clears throat> with First Baptist Eastern? Like, What do we take from this? What does this mean for you? Those who labor assault, uh, alongside me. It's that we would remember the faithful pursuit of God. Over and over again. It's so easy to get caught up in the fact that Monday is coming. Like it's coming. Tomorrow, some of y'all right now are already thinking about, I said Monday and you're like, oh man, I got this meeting at 7.30, I'm supposed to do this. Like you're already thinking about it. I don't have to remind you that Monday's coming, but what about right now? We get caught up in all of that and we forget to see his faithfulness. I think in 2020, God intentionally shook genuine believers in his name, genuine Christians, and just intentionally slowed us down and just said, would you remember my faithfulness, please? Would you look at your children as you sit across the table and share a meal together? Would you teach your children in Deuteronomy 6 where Moses says, teach your children the ways of the Lord? His faithfulness. I know Monday's coming. I know that the depression is going to set in. 
those that struggle with that, I know that everyday rhythms of life are going to be just so um, consuming and maybe even just feel so mundane that you just think, where is God in all of this? You start to question everything. Is this even worth it? Does anybody care that I'm struggling? Does anybody care what I'm going through? God sees you. Maybe you need to hear this this morning. He sees you, he knows you, and he is faithfully pursuing you at this very moment, tugging at your heart. So Christian brother and sister here this morning, Monday might be coming. But if I could just remind you, maybe just gently call you back to stop navel gazing, meaning stop, stop putting your eyes on yourself. Stop looking at your circumstances. Stop being those children in the wilderness. And, no, and, and even in the grumbling, just to stop looking at your circumstances and raise your eyes to a faithful God who is pursuing you. Even in their grumbling, he is present with you. Psalm 18, we see the psalmist, he brought me out of the spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. Not only is he pursuing you, he delights in you. Brother or sister in Christ, he delights in you. You are his creation. The good shepherd calls you by name, pursues you. Stop looking at your circumstances and letting those define you. And lift your eyes this morning and, be, and gaze on the beauty of God. That's your call to action. What do you do with this? You, you, you stop and you remember, you write down your moments of, of God's faithfulness. You journal these, you, you get back into God's word and you lift your eyes and you just take your eyes off for just a minute off of yourself and just realize the beauty. You gaze on the beauty of God. That on some ordinary July Sunday morning in Deuteronomy through some history biblical lesson, that a guy probably talked too long about, but just trying to get you on this normal day to just rest in his presence with you. That he is faithfully pursuing you. Don't harden your heart, remember. And then my non-Christian friends who are here this morning, maybe you're wrestling with God. Maybe you've tried God. Um, you've tried the church thing. You've grown cold towards this so-called fatherly love, the affections of the father. You look around and you think, man, where, where is God in all of this mess? You keep talking about his faithfulness. You have no idea the things that I'm going through. I hope and pray that today you can just lift your eyes for just a minute in the midst of all of the chaos, in the midst of everything happening, and know and feel and believe that the creator of the universe who spoke life into existence is pursuing you through this howling wilderness that you find yourself in. I pray that he would find you because he's pursuing your heart. Sometimes you have to take your eyes off of yourself and lift them to the creator and know that he is right there. He's breathing life into his creation and he get, desires to give you a new heart. That's my prayer for you. Christian, to, to taste and see that he is good again, to, to gaze on the, the beauty of God. Non-Christian friend, would you just put your hope in Jesus? Not another political campaign, not another uh, vaccine, not another anything, but put your hope in Jesus, the author and sustainer of life, who is pursuing your heart right now. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for 
the opportunity to share this morning. I, I've missed my dear friends and, and brothers and sisters and, and just pray um, that you will continue to do a work in this family. God, I'm, I'm honored to share, um, share from my heart, share from your word. And if anything, Lord, just stirs in my heart to know um, that you love us and pursue us. I, I pray that maybe some, some of us this morning just needed to hear that over and over and over again in our stubbornness, in our suffering, in our sickness, in our rebellion to God as Christians, you are pursuing our heart. And that's good news, God. In a, a year, in a culture that we live in, it is good news to hear that. And then those who are wrestling with, uh, with faith, Father, I pray that they would just throw in the towel today, that they would stop trying to earn your favors, stop trying to earn your grace and recognize that you stepped out of heaven through your son Jesus and you came to us, you pursued us, you've invited us to the table, you've extended hospitality to the strangers, to the sojourners, to the wanderers, to the rebellious, and you say, hey, have a seat at my table. Father, that they would just take their eyes off of themselves um, and hear that word, confess with their mouth, Lord, that they are, uh, that they need your saving forgiveness. God, would they believe in their heart for the first time, Father, would you draw them to yourself this morning? In a room this size, I know that there's somebody here. I pray that you would speak to them in a mighty way. There's men and women that would love to pray with them and over them and, and point them to the saving grace of Jesus. Pray that they would taste and see that you are good this morning. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. I think it's